With the ninth pick in the 2009 NBA Draft, the Toronto Raptors select Dumar DeRozan from the University of Southern California. My mindset has always been Toronto. I always preached it. You know, I was passionate about it when, when we was losing. When we was terrible, I, I'd say I'm going to stick through this whole thing and you know, I want to be that guy who who brings this organization to where it is now. You know, I definitely don't want to switch up after we win. Toronto Raptors, I think they're in the driver's seat for Kawhi because I think the Lakers have given up, the Sixers have given up. I've seen a lot of snark on Twitter that the Raptors stuff is a joke, but if you think it's a joke, you should probably recalibrate your expectations. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the trade call will come later today, which will send DeMar DeRozan to the San Antonio Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. The Raptors have scored a big one, albeit a risk right here in getting Kawhi Leonard. This is a tremendous day for the Raptors organization. It's an upgrade. You know, for most of 25 years, this was a cold, bad place by NBA standards. And you finally got a guy who helped change that perception. If you give Kawhi Leonard's at his best, yeah, the Raptors could win 59 games again. I'm not shocked by it. Obviously, DeMar's shocked by it because apparently he was told he wouldn't be moved. You know, the organization, you know, there's that word loyalty. Where does it stand? And in a sense, there isn't any. And it's awful. But that's the way it goes. Well, 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 well. Welcome to Free Association. I'm J.D. Bunkus. He is Donovan Bennett. Coming to you live from the Sportsnet Studios downtown. I am interrupting my vacation for this. This feels like a big enough deal for me to to come in and and break the break the vacation up. I'm actually just happy I was in the city. Uh, I woke up this morning late because the body's still getting back in track after a bachelor party weekend and just being on vacation. And I woke up to over 50 text messages and 10 phone calls. Because I'm super popular and people wanted to know what I have to say about this. Donovan Bennett, who we, I, I think we are now friends, was one of those people that texted me. How, where are you today, 1 to 10 scale of excited? I mean, I'm not excited because I don't get a ring if they win. So I wouldn't say I'm excited, but I think, I think it was good business. It's good business for us as a media entity because we have something to talk about. But I think it's good business for the Raptors. And I was really shocked at how divisive and just how how negative that's twitter how despair yeah it's twitter but it's raptors fans who have moaned and complained and belly ached about how stale this team is they have no chance they don't have a real superstar they're not going to get out of the east and no big stars are, are ever going to come to toronto you have one you have one you hands down the best and i mean i'm i'm already you know derailing our conversation because you have these like bullet points that you want to systematically hit but you have the best player in the history of your franchise yeah that's right i said it i said it not the most iconic because that was vince carter not the most beloved because that is still demar rosen but the best person to at playing basketball assuming he's healthy in the history of your franchise, the guy who was top five. He better be healthy. And, Imagine and, he failed the physical and you had to go back to the Rosen. Hey, DeMar. So, April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's business. You got the best play. He's a two-way player. who's top five in the MVP voting. Not once, but twice. Yeah. He's the best player in the history of your franchise and you're upset. How many times in the history of sports, in the history of anything, has the team who received a top five 
player, the best player in the history of their franchise. And in a trade with four players, they got the best player and the third best player. And the fans are mm. upset. Wait, wait, wait huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jakob Pertl is better than Danny Green? I do, I do, I do. Did you see Danny Green in the NBA Finals? Yeah, and that's what I mean. Now Did Danny Green's Jack- 31 or 30 years old. He's, he's a different player now. But let, let, let's stick to the main Three point. Three and D, my friend. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be a little bit... He'll be down the bench. I think he'll be a guy that... It's going to be difficult to see what his role is, but it's great to have more shooting and you make the salaries match up. I think that the Raptors only take on an extra half million dollars in this deal. And, and that's, that's just the cost of doing business. And I, and I think three and D yep. Danny green still offers those things. He's not quite the player he was a few years ago, but, but he's still a solid trade chip. This isn't just taking back a useless contract that you, you can't do anything with, but let's get to that point because I think that's an important one today that it was confusing. I, I think that there's a, that it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride for people. And I don't think that you have to feel one way and can't feel another, that there's some nuance to this. So let me defend some of who probably some associates out there that, that feel like you just came at them, like right out of the gate, just junkyard dog style, just let you off the chain. And you just went in on people's throats for being upset on Twitter. Here's what I'll say. Yes, of course. Twitter has some wildly irrational people on there that will formulate an opinion in 10 seconds and fire it off there and be upset. And that's the way some people going to live. And I can't change those people. And for those people, I feel a little bad because I think that overall, this is an exciting day for Raptors fans. That said, there is a secondary aspect here. DeMar DeRozan, as you said, is one of the most, if not the most beloved Raptor of all time. He's, we got us. How many times did people use that as a rallying cry? How many times prove them? That seemed to be something that resonated beyond just a basketball community here. It really did for, for years and years and years, the, the, from the entire inception of this franchise, it's been a market that stars didn't want to stay in. People wanted out. Once you could get your big money deal, once you hit unrestricted free agency, you were not coming back. Vince Carter asked for the trade out. Chris Bosh went out and started LeBron in the East dynasty. That wouldn't be broken until this very year. It was, it was a tough place. And I don't try to get overly sentimental with this because as you said, it's a business and it's about getting your franchise to become better. And this makes the Toronto Raptors again, if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, let's stop saying that. Let's just assume he is healthy. Let's get the, if Kawhi Leonard is healthy out of there, they're a better team today. They have a better chance of winning the East. They have a better cap structure moving forward. And it might've been time from a roster standpoint to move on. But if Raptors fans are a little upset today because they watched an all NBA guy, go out the door who was committed to this place. Like no one else who had unparalleled regular season success in this market, who took this team to an Eastern conference final against LeBron James and who, despite many playoff disappointments, I don't think that his work ethic was ever doubted. He was a guy who came back every single off season and added something to his game. And that's what I think is missed a little bit in this trade is that I don't think there's a lot of risk. I really don't. I don't see the risk because we already saw the Raptors cap out. We've seen the ceiling of this team. It was last year. I don't think that the Raptors were going to get better this year, that there was something that they were going to be able to unlock with Nick Nurse. They needed a roster change. That said, I think the market is looking a little down and up on DeRozan. Down in the sense that we kind of viewed him as this little while as, why would anyone want DeMar DeRozan? Or how good of a trade chip is DeMar DeRozan? And I think we found out today that he is still quite valuable, even in a place where the the floor fell out for Kawhi Leonard. It's the only reason that this trade happened. But 
that the Spurs wanted to have him back. They viewed him as, look, at we want this score. We want someone that we can think we can mold and, and we think can get better and fits into the Spurs culture and is going to be a solid player for us. I think that at the end of the tenure, because things were so bad at the end of that Cavs series, his performance, the lack of three-point shooting, the way that it was all disappointed and, and kind of fell on his shoulders, that we valued him differently. And now I think that there's a little bit of sentimentality that's kicking back in with a lot of fans that are saying, oops, I'm sorry for some of the things that I said about DeMar DeRozan. He was a great Raptor, and we are going to miss having that person here in the city. Listen, I love DeMar DeRozan. I'm a DeMar I DeRozan do. defender. I like him personally. I like him professionally. I like his game. I think your it, it, top guys are Jonas Valanciunas one. You would have been crippled had JV been traded. We wouldn't have been able to do this podcast. But I know DeRozan and, and OG and at one point Norm Powell before no, he kicked no, him to the curb. No, I'm still still yeah. in there. But this is the thing. Everyone who's losing their mind about how dare you give up DeMar. He wanted to be here. He was Mr. Canada. Okay, so that's not loyal. how you do things, though. Like, that's not how you do things. JVR wanted to be here in Toronto. So did Tyler Bozak. They got a chance to get Tyler, or John Tavares. You get John Tavares. You go yeah. and get the best player. You do what's best for your franchise. But above all that, were you saying any of that when he was stapled to the bench in a playoff game? Yeah, no. Were you saying any of that when he was thrown out of a playoff game, when he was walking back to the locker room and it didn't matter? No one cared that he was thrown out because the game the was over. over? Yeah. No one was saying that. And if you ask any Raptors fan at that moment, hey, what if I just gave you a, a mulligan right now? A survivor idol that you found in the wilderness. And it gave you the power to remove DeMar DeRozan from his seat, staple to that bench, and drop Kawhi Leonard there. Would you take it? You would. You got that survivor idol, and you didn't have to give up your version of, hopefully, maybe, Kawhi and OG. And you didn't have to give up Siakam or DeLon Wright. Or you didn't have to give up a pick when you'll still be good. So what are we talking about? And... If you have an issue with the way that it was done, with the way that it was communicated, with the fact that DeMar DeRozan went on his IG and said that he was lied to, I get that. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. Because at some point, you're starting to see a trend. Lou Williams wanted to be in Toronto. He said he wasn't even offered a contract. There was no dialogue. Dwayne Casey was a great guy. They had a press conference. He had a press conference. They were going to take a long time evaluating everything. Then, like, less than two days later, he was gone. It wasn't that long. Mm -hmm. And so why do you make the man stand up there and fight for his own job to the media if you knew he was going to be gone after he just won 59 games and and handled himself with class? And now DeMar claims that he was told on Tuesday, you're not going to be traded. He was traded on Wednesday. Okay. So that's not a great look for a franchise that puts family up in the locker room it's not right it's it's starting to be a trend so if that's your beef i get it but if your beef is he wanted us and so how are we how are we going to trade him for a guy who doesn't want us ultimately this is a business and mm -hmm. it's about winning and if they rolled that same team out you know who the person you'd want to leave town masai jury mm -hmm. so you can't have your cake and eat it too so i think that's really important because i looked at this and i i saw a tweet damian lillard had he tweeted something to the effect of uh, ice cold league. He cold blood. Yeah. Something along those lines where he was taking a stance and saying, oof, that's cold what they did to DeMar. Didn't Damian Lillard meet with his owner this year? 
Uh, Did they have I thought he meeting? canceled that meeting, but either way, hold on. This what, is the, what are they the, meeting about? Yeah, that, that's the point new, I want to get to. New suites? That's what I want to get to. New concessions or what teammates he wanted out of town? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, yeah. what are you talking about? I know. I think this definitely has a vibe of ice cold to it, right? You look at it, and I, I get why people would say that. I get why people would say, Tamar wanted to be here, Kawhi didn't. Why wouldn't we want someone that, that wants to be here? Why don't we prioritize things? Didn't we? Haven't we been talking about culture here this entire time? Haven't we been putting up the family thing? Like, what do we actually stand for? Is that all a facade? And my answer is yes, it is. It's absolutely all a facade. What we're doing in this superstar era, in this player control era, I think that both sides have gotten more frigid to one another. Like, it, like both sides keep basically trading off in terms of who's the jerk in the relationship or who's the cold side in the relationship, right? Isaiah Thomas gets traded from the Boston Celtics so that they can get better, so that they can feel like they're building more of that superstar culture in Boston. And everyone shouts from the rooftops and says, how can you criticize Kevin Durant? Because he was the villain the summer before. It was a player that was a villain. He was the guy who decided to go into his own place, and how could he leave OKC, and how could he abandon his teammates? He's going to be a bandwagoner and make this team somewhere else. This offseason, same thing. We saw it when DeMarcus Cousins. No market for him, but he goes to Golden State, and everyone's so furious at him. Player control. Now we're back on a looking at a front office as a villain. Like it's just a trade-off is that the way that the NBA is being shaped, it's all about collecting stars. You need to be able to have them. And that's why this trade makes so much sense is that you're going with the Daryl Morey, uh, the Daryl Morey philosophy here for my Masai Ujiri. Like, yes, increasing your risk profile. Yes. Listen, this is a riskier move in terms of being able to keep an all-star past one season. But if he does stay, you have a Kawhi Leonard chip and it might be easier to attract superstar players from, from, from now on. And some of those guys might end up coming up here in the future. So I think that there has been a loss of what what am I looking for here? There's been a loss of not humanity, but discourse between both sides. I do believe DeMar DeRozan when he says that he was being lied to that, like David Aldridge reporting that he's extremely upset that he was lied to about a potential trade. I think that that can happen. I think that both sides are getting colder and colder. And, And this is kind of the inverse of the coin of when you're the players and you do have this type of control and when you're running the league this way and you do have a team like the Warriors, that owners are probably going to be more callous in their pursuit to try to win. Do you agree with that? I do to an extent. I don't think the family thing is totally a facade, and here's why. I think the hope is that you are a family and that you're you're tight-knit. And this is the understanding. This group, these 14, 15 guys... You guys are a family. You guys like each other? You guys really like each other? Mm-hmm. Well, here's your... You, you know how you get to stay together? You play well and win. So, in the playoffs... That's hardly way to run a family, though. Imagine your parents were like that. Listen, you like your brothers and sisters? <laughs> like, no. You better be good. Otherwise, one of you, adoption clinic or what, agency. What, what did Alvin Williams say was an issue with this team? Focus. Taking yeah. things serious. If those guys are all brothers and you really want to see... Your coach not get fired. Your star player not get shipped out of town. This is not new. It's not like they did this after one year or two. This is four years with this core. If you really want to stay together, then win. Mm-hmm. Or at least show some progress. And so... Yeah, I that, think what killed them was game four. That didn't, that didn't happen. So there are going to be consequences. And so you can only look at each other in that room. And for DeMar DeRozan specifically, there's two things, right? There's There's... 28.6 and there's 27. You shot 28.6% from three mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Aaron Baines had a higher three point percentage than you did. So if you were trending in a direction where we can say, you know what? 
let's pump the brakes a little bit. Maybe he's not there yet as the, the lead dog on a championship team, but he might be on the way. Maybe, maybe he ends up being our version of Dirk. And we're going to stick it out. We're going to ride with our guys because that's the bro code. Then maybe that equation is different. Also, maybe if you're not making $27 million for the next three years, then we're like, oh, you know what? We got a good deal here. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but you are making max money. And if you're not giving max production and we're not having max winnings, that's an equation that doesn't work. So I, I agree and I disagree because I think that the regular season success has been, again, we, we keep looking at this Raptors team or we have been for a little while through this bit of a weird lens because of the playoffs. And like, of course the playoffs were wildly disappointing, but I think people were starting to kind of come around on the idea of what happens if you run this back now, what happens now that LeBron is gone. I do believe in the mental block of LeBron James with this team, that there was something there that he was not afraid of the Toronto Raptors. I heard it from David Griffin himself say that they never feared the Toronto Raptors. We looked at this matchup and said they needed to have the game won. Well, there was a risk of collapsing, and well, they did. But, but not fearing the Raptors is not unique to the Raptors. I mean, sure. does LeBron fear anybody other than the Warriors and I, God himself? I do think that there is some type of that it's not a disrespect, but there is a bit of a little more level of comfort with LeBron James playing that Raptor squad. That I think that he feels like he can personally dismantle them a little bit differently than than a few other teams, yeah. Uh, he can dismantle just about anyone, everyone he's taken apart, but I think that the Raptors did have this odor to them when they, they played LeBron, and that's what, to me, the winning, you're right, they needed to win. This year, it was a huge winning year, and how they lost, though, was more important than anything else. So they taken the Cleveland Cavaliers to seven games, and they had lost. I don't think that this core is getting broken up in the same way. Maybe if the Kawhi Leonard trade still presents itself like to this iteration, maybe, but I don't think it's as pressing. I don't think that there's reports that the Raptors are shopping all their players all summer long, which is another part of why I'm surprised DeMar DeRozan is surprised. Like, do you think all these reports are lying? You were on the table. They, they said the whole roster is on the table. I don't well, know what you heard behind the well, scenes. No, but, but that's why he asked, sure. and he claims he was told he's not being traded until he was. But you get to this that, that fourth game against the Cavs where you had to show a little bit of heart, and you needed to show out, and they folded. And like you mentioned, DeRozan got chucked out of that game, and no one really showed up. They completely mailed it in. And it was exactly like the performance against the Washington Wizards from a few years ago. And I don't think that you get two of those. Like, I just don't think that you can have two exits that are the same way. Because the year before when they lost to the Cavs, it was injuries. Oh, uh, we don't have Kevin. Or blah, blah. Still on vacation brain. We don't have Kyle Lowry. The team isn't quite the same. Every, a lot of these players are broken down. This isn't the best version of the Raptors. We're going to have the cultural reset. Now something needed to change. And I've been saying this for forever. They needed some type of a major move. And to have the major move result in a Kawhi Leonard is, uh, I think it's a coup. So, so let's get to that, the nuts and bolts of the trade. So again, the deal is DeMar DeRozan and Jakob Pertl, the ninth overall pick from two years ago's draft for... And a 2019 protected first-round pick, which is 1 through 20, that turns into two second-round picks if it falls below 20 this year, which I think that's a, that's a tough thing if you're a Raptors fan. You want that pick to go to San Antonio, right? Like, there's no question. You don't want this thing to fall apart. But you get back Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So my first question to you, Mr. Bennett, is, is it a hot take if I don't think that this was that big of a coup for Masai Ujiri, considering all the all the peripheral reasons that this trade happened. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think it's a hot take. I think it's, I think it's, let me explain it. 
I, I, well, I mean, when, when no, it's a coup. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that this isn't a good trade for Masai Ujiri. I'm just saying that I saw a lot on Twitter today about like I don't think this changes too much about Masai from me. But wait a minute, you thought that they were going to have to get when we talked about trade proposals. You thought they were going to have to give up way more. No doubt, of course, man. And, and you were willing to do it. I thought that so there was a zero percent so, chance that they were going to get this deal done in the first place. So he, but so he got it on sale. He yep. got it for cheap. He got it done. And you're saying it's not a coup? I'm not. No, I am saying it's a coup. I'm saying I'm not giving him as much credit Did for this. Did you not just lead off by saying it's, is it not a hot take if I say that this is not a coup? I don't know what Isn't I said now. Isn't that saying that it's not a coup? I don't know what I said now. Now we're going to have to run it back. No, I'm saying. <laughs> what are you saying? It is a coup, but that it's not, this is not Masai Ujiri. What a, this is not a day to be like, wow, this was all Masai. I think that this is more the market than anything because the Lakers were out. We saw the trade proposal that they wanted from the Lakers, and there was a belief that San Antonio did not want to move him to the Lakers. They did not want to try and set up Kawhi Leonard being uh, playing for one of their rivals for the next decade and make it easy for him. And the Lakers were not looking at this. They were obviously willing to be patient and not give up a boatload of their young players to acquire Kawhi Leonard, especially when there were reports that maybe he didn't even want to play with LeBron James and that maybe he would still take free agent meetings and go to the Clippers in offseason later. Well, there's also reports that they were texting each other. So, yep. I mean, depends what uh, reports you want to believe. Sure, but but all by all accounts, all we know is that the Lakers were not willing to do a deal where they were going to just give up. They were going to have to pay a premium that the Raptors didn't have to pay. The Raptors got this deal cheaper because of where they're located, which is in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, but so is Boston and yep. so is Philadelphia. But that's what I'm saying. Boston, it obviously came down to, are you willing to move Jalen Brown? And they said no. And so Boston essentially fell out of the mix. They didn't really have a secondary trade proposal that was going to work for them. Okay. All right. Philadelphia, same thing. Philadelphia was out. They, like they just, they ran out of suitors and the Raptors were the last man standing that they actually had a all NBA player that they could ship out to the Spurs, a decent young piece in Jakob Pertl. And they were also willing to offer a draft pick. Like, so well, well, why, but why would you not give him a side credit for that? If he's waiting out the market and everyone else folds, and he has the best. But what hand other option did left, he have? Even, he tried to make a move at the draft. That's what I'm saying. They tried to get into the draft. So, so, so clearly, so you're not giving him credit because he only had one option and he played it well. Uh, he did play well. It's not that I'm not giving him credit. I'm just saying that I don't think that this should be lauded as a Masai deal. Like this is more to do with Kawhi and the Spurs than it is to do with Masai Jerry. The Raptors tried to get in on the draft, which means that they were obviously trying to move assets to get a pick. Which means that we might have seen one of these guys out of town that that made this trade work in a, in a different way, that maybe Jakob Pertl would have been stapled to something. Maybe they were trying to move DeMar DeRozan and move up into the draft. We looked at all those trade scenarios when we did our trade podcast. But those are those these things are mutually exclusive. They could have traded one superstar for a pick and tra- trade another for Kawhi. But, may, but I'm just saying that I don't think that this was some type of calculated plan, that this was the goal of the offseason and they were going to get it done by any means necessary. I think that this was something that... They, they tried, they explored a different avenue for change, which was at the draft. And then when that was not available to them and other teams were unwilling to move, as we heard from, from Weltman, or sorry, not from Weltman, from, from, uh, from Bobby Webster after the draft, hey, nobody, we tried to get in the draft. Nobody wanted to move. The, the trade market was very, was, was very quiet. No one wanted to move roster players. All of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard goes, and it's, it's a lock. He's going to go to Los Angeles once LeBron signs, right? That's the initial impression. It's a lock, it's a lock, it's a lock. Then we hear more and more about the Spurs' unwillingness to trade him there and that it's going to cost a premium. And the Lakers simply say, we think it's better for us to wait out for another season and keep all these assets and let LeBron James essentially choose from a glowing free agent crop and maybe Kawhi comes here for free. So they're out. 
Yeah, how'd that work with Paul George? It Listen, the Lakers are taking some risk here. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that's the avenue that they've chosen to pursue. The scariest thing to me is the Philadelphia 76ers because their doctor was looking after Kawhi during his rehab. He knows what Kawhi Leonard is in terms of his health or where he's at with his health. You mean the same doctor that told Markel Fultz to shoot on his back? I don't <laughs> think... I'm I'm not sure if those two things were connected, but I will say he's supposed to not tell the Sixers about Kawhi's medicals. Like there is the the duty of care that he owes him. He's not allowed to to speak on what Kawhi is and without his permission. But I would imagine that there was a little bit of a wink wink or something, maybe that that could be possible in the Sixers and unwillingness to move a guy like Markel Fultz. I just, I look at the market for this. I, I just, the Sixers track record on health is not the strongest. Sure. I'm just saying the point I'm trying to make here overall is that there was no market for Kawhi Leonard. And that's why we're seeing this coup of a deal that this trade makes no freaking sense. If you would have proposed this to me in the mentions a month ago, I would have laughed you out of the room. I would have so said, this is so, nonsensical. So you, why would the Spurs do this? So you, you're working really hard not to give the Raptors credit. So basically, if I'm surmising, I'm giving them credit. What I think they had to do a move that took some courage. Wasn't the whole hot take that they shouldn't be lauded for this? Wasn't that, no, 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 no. Wasn't you keep confusing me and twisting my words. I'm just repeating what you're saying. No, my my take here is just that I I view this more of a fortuitous bounce for the Raptors rather than something that they went out and created themselves. But it's not like no, 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 no. It's not like R.C. Buford just only had Masai Ujiri's phone number. What team in the NBA doesn't want Kawhi Leonard? A lot, apparently. Not a lot. Maybe they're not willing to pay that price. But the thing about the other the names that you just mentioned, Markel Fultz, Tatum, whether it was going to be Ingram or Kuzma or Ball, all of those guys are better assets than the asset, the young asset that the Raptors gave up in Jakob Pertle, who averaged mm-hmm. six points and four rebounds and was taken ninth in the in the draft. So I don't really see. Listen, Masai Ujiri is going to get blame if Kawhi Leonard is not healthy or potentially if he does not resign. And so on the flip side, you you can't give him the blame if it doesn't go right. But then he made the deal and I'm not, not giving him any credit. blame. I'm not giving him any blame here though either because two parts. I think it's a it's an excellent trade that even if it goes in its most sour way the most sour way possible, which is Kawhi Leonard a month in is like, I do not want to be here. I'm miserable. Uncle Dennis says we want out of town and we want out of town now. And I'm sitting out. I'm holding out. I still think it's a good trade by Masai Jerry because of the risk profile. The risk profile what? is none. You don't lose anything that completely alters your franchise in a negative way. Again, you and I are both big DeMar DeRozan fans, but we've seen what the cap is on DeRozan and Lowry. We have, like, I know he can add more to his game, and I know that he can become a better three-point shooter, and maybe he gives a more consistent effort on the defensive end. But every offseason, like, Nick Nurse is talking about DeMar DeRozan changing his defensive game. Like, we haven't heard Dwayne Casey say for multiple offseasons DeMar DeRozan is going to change his defensive game. That was the theme of Dwayne Casey in last, last year's training camp, was he's never seen DeMar DeRozan focus on defense this way. Oh my God, the details that DeMar DeRozan is taking in defensively. He's a, he's a new man. He's a change man. I saw DeMar DeRozan play defense consistently for one little stretch, and that was after they got P.J. Tucker. There seemed to be something that inspired him to play better defense. Other than that, hadn't seen it. But this Raptors team needed a shuffle. It needed a change. It was very much like, again, I use this analogy a lot, but it's because it's, it's one that everyone understands. When Patrick Patterson bricked every single shot he had, 
in the 2016 playoff run or 2017 playoff run. We knew it was over. We knew in that Cavalier series when he was wide open and missed shot after shot after shot that it was time for a breakup. And it was similar to me after this run was it was great, DeMar DeRozan. You brought a lot of respectability to this franchise. There will always be love for you here. But after the series that you had against the Cleveland Cavaliers and that this team had and the way that they fell apart and the way that they seemed to follow your lead of falling apart, that it was time for a change and that you weren't really risking anything moving forward because you're going to remain competitive regardless. Had the Raptors lost OG Ananobi in this deal, the risk profile would have been immense. I think that we would be looking at this and saying, wow, did Masai Ujiri ever take a gamble on this? If they traded Pascal Siakam even, oof, what a gamble because this player has some serious, serious upside. They did not hurt their future. They didn't do anything that's going to damage the Raptors' long-term outlook. The only thing potentially is you enter next offseason with a bunch of cap space. You can either reconfigure your team or you can sell off some pieces and try to go younger and start building around that younger core a little bit more. There's, there's no avenue right now where I look at the Toronto Raptors and say, holy crap, they are screwed if X happens. That, that doesn't exist in a reality to me. And even if Kawhi wants out, right? Let's say he wants out in season. Who's to say you can't recoup some type of value for him if you're the Raptors? That's almost not equal. You're not going to be able to get an all-NBA player back into Rosen. But who's to say that you can't add a couple of pieces from out West that, that bolster your rebuild? Like, I just don't see any negative here. I just, I really don't. Well, I, I think he, you acquired an asset. At the very least, you acquired an asset for a low value whose value could increase. Have we seen a, a, have we seen a superstar go for this cheap? Like, have we seen a superstar that has gone has seen his value crater the way that we've seen Kawhi Leonard's value crater? And I mean a superstar. I'm not talking like Isaiah Thomas, where he was a one-off all-star. I'm I mean, talking like a superstar in the league, a bona fide top player. Well, I mean, let's keep it in this era and keep it with a very similar situation. Look at what the Thunder had to give up to get Paul George. They gave up Victor Oladipo. They gave up Sabonis. They... Hindsight a little bit on that, though, because at the time it was viewed as an unbelievable rake for the, the Thunder to get out from those contracts. It was like Oladipo was a bad contract when they made that trade. He's, he made it a lot less than DeMar Rosen does. Yep. So, and you're the first to point out they had very similar years this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of it is is hindsight. But but the point is, Kawhi Leonard is a considerably better player. I was going to say Paul George. <laughs> I, so Paul I mean, George is like the C version of Kawhi Leonard. Paul, B Paul, version at best. Paul Paul George at best is a third team All Star. Kawhi Leonard at best is a first team mm-hmm. All NBA player. So no, I, I think they it was good business. And again, it's an asset that if Kawhi ends up going to USA Basketball, which there's less pressure to now because he doesn't have to prove his his value in the short term. Um, but, but if he starts the season and, and is healthy now, now all of a sudden that asset has, has appreciated tremendously in value mm-hmm. because that was one of the big question marks was his health moving forward. And, and so if he doesn't want to stay in Canada, he doesn't like poutine. Great. Him and uncle Dennis get their passport stamped. They can move along and, and you can recoup. Maybe it's not another all-star all NBA mm-hmm. player. Maybe it's, it's, it's future, future picks. Maybe it's it's expiring contracts, but the the point is you can reset your franchise in any direction. The biggest issue with this team was not just that the core was kind of stagnant and stale; it's that there was no path to improve it. You were never going to be high enough in the draft to get an impact player, and in fact, because of some mistakes, you didn't you didn't have a draft pick this this past year. 
You had no cap space. So even people talk about, oh, no one wants to come to Toronto. You didn't have any money to give anyone to come mm-hmm. to Toronto. Your only pathway was via trade. And via trade, you have to give something up to get something. Because people aren't just giving away superstars for free. Until they just did. Because this was a superstar whose value was so low. And you, not only did you get him, you kept him away from your two rivals, not just in the conference, in your division. You kept him away from Philadelphia. You kept him away from Boston. So even if he moves on in a year and goes to L.A., it's much better than if he went to Philly and Boston and had a great experience and stayed there and wrecked your life for the next five to six years. So, So not only in the short term, but in the long term, this deal makes a lot of sense. And... If this team doesn't, let's say they don't win a championship. People go, oh, well, you're still not better than Boston. You're still not going to beat the Warriors. It's fair to assume they're not going to win a championship. No, no, sure. sure. But but they may trend in the right direction. Maybe they they, they get to a finals or flirt with one. And, and another player is like, oh, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want some of that. And maybe they add and they're building towards a championship team around the same time when the Warriors have to make a decision on Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. And there's rumors that KD may want to go to New York. So who knows what the future has? We, we thought the Heat were going to be a dynasty for six, mm-hmm. seven, eight, and and that wasn't the case. So, but let's let, they they don't win a championship this year. They don't get get that far in their development. If you kept the same core together, which wasn't going to win a championship after this year, you were probably going to blow this thing up anyways. And so, <sighs> even if Ka- Ka- even if Kawhi leaves, guess what? You're blowing it up with an asset that you can you can do a sign trade with if, if he cares about getting his full money. And regardless if if you do a sign trade or not, you get his cap space. So for me, again, regardless of Dave Zaram had an article about choose your adventure, what the Raptors could do this offseason. If you were to write that article today, regardless of where Masai Jury and Bobby Webster go with this, they're playing with a full deck. Yeah, that's what I'm saying about the risk profile, that I don't see the risk. Here's the other thing that I, I haven't seen a lot of people mentioning. In fact, I haven't seen anyone mention it. DeMar Rosen is only here for one extra year than Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Like, he's tied up for one extra year before he has a player option, which you hope, if you're a Raptors fan, that he would be opting out of because that means that he's been still uber successful and he's looking for another deal. And there's potential, potential there, the way that things had gone. If you had seen this Raptors team continue to stagnate the way that they did, that the Raptors aren't re-signing him and that they're losing him for nothing. An extra year from now. So essentially, you're swapping... Or trying to trade him at the deadline. Sure. Everyone knows they when, have to. When they know... And they, they're getting 10 cents on the dollar. Exactly. And they're getting very little. So instead, you've turned one... So let's just look at this this way. It's not two years extra of DeMar DeRozan. It's one extra year of DeMar DeRozan if things all go to plan. That's what you traded away for Kawhi Leonard. For a chance at a top five player in the NBA. And what do people... Like, what are we learning now more than anything, right? And again, to go back to this, you need superstars. We've, we've tried to run this simulation through the, the gambit. Hey, what happens if you have 10 guys? What happens if you have 10 guys that are all better than LeBron James's second guy? LeBron James still wins. <laughs> LeBron James still freaking wins. What happened? Like, there's the Rockets. There's the Warriors. There's the Celtics. And now I think the Raptors slide in in that conversation. Uh, definitely ahead of the Sixers. What are the Sixers? I said to my buddy today, they're no knees, no threes. That's that's no knees, Joel Embiid, no threes, Ben Simmons, mm. and a bunch of bit players around them that I don't care for, and potentially Markel Fultz. Do you think that the Sixers are ahead of the Raptors right now? Well, you, you can't just say Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are, are 
Finished entities. They're, I'm not they're, saying they they're are. young players. I'm, I'm they're going dramatic. to improve. I'm being dramatic, so, but I'm so, just saying. Yeah, the Raptors, t- as of today, are they at, the best team in the East right now? Are they the favorites in the East in your minds? The Raptors? Yeah. Uh, did they did they leapfrog the Celtics to you with this move? No. I'm torn on it. Here's what do we think of the Celtics are virtually adding two All Stars to their team. The Raptors are adding okay or, or, or trading one All Star for a better All Star. Can I give you the one thing on the whole Celtics all adding two All Stars thing though? You can give me as many things as you want. One. I don't think Jason Tatum is going to all of a sudden get like so much better. Like I saw he got the 87 on NBA 2K or whatever. Jason Tatum's an awesome player. Like I think he's one of the most valuable young assets in the league. He's incredible. But I was listening to Haralabob Vulagaris say that he from the corner this year shot a record, a record from three. Like he his three-point shooting from the corner this year was unbelievable. And if we're going to talk about anything to regress, I think that number might drop back a little bit. And finding out if Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum can all play together, I think is going to take a little bit of time. The one thing they have is Al Horford, who's just this perfect, beautiful basketball beast that you can throw right into the middle of all the mix and make it work. And Jalen Brown. Sure. And like, again, all of these pieces are awesome. Terry Rozier. Yes, agree. But what's the difference going to be between how great Terry Rozier was playing in the postseason until he had his game where he missed 100 threes and what Kyrie is going to deliver you. Why are we so certain that Kyrie is going to be healthy when he's really rarely been healthy throughout his entire career? I think Gordon Hayward's going to be a big step up for them. But again, that means you're now taking away shots and development from Jalen Brown's game. You're asking him to be more of a defensive player. I'm not, I'm not saying saying they have too many good players. This is your issue with the Celtics. No, not really. That's not an issue. It's a, it's a very good thing. I'm just saying that the guys that were there were playing so well for them. I'm curious to see exactly what the upgrade is going to be from, from the two guys that are returning. They had weeks where Shane Larkin was yep. their starting point no, guard. Listen, the, the so, regular season weeks when they were fighting it, that's absolutely. I'm saying the playoff version where we saw that Jason Tatum and we saw that Terry Rozier, we saw that Boston Celtics team on a whole. I'm just, I'm, I'm dubious as to how much better Kyrie and and Gordon Hayward are, are actually going to make them. I think that they're they're very good. They Celtics yep. pushed the Cavs in a playoff series without Kyrie, yeah, and without Hayward. And their main player was a rookie who was playing three times as many games mm-hmm. as he's ever played in a single season. Dude, I'm not trying to say the, the Celtics the, are bad. The Raptors got swept by the same Cavs team. Yep. And do you think if the Raptors played the Celtics last year, the Celtics would have beat them? In the I playoffs? I don't. I think the Raptors would have beat the Celtics. I think the Raptors beat anybody in the East last playoffs except for the Cavs. Do you think if, if the Raptors played the Celtics and Kyrie and Hayward were healthy, they would have beat them? You, no. Maybe. You, no. No. I think the Raptors were really good last year. I don't think that it was all fake. I don't think that it was all some weird they, mirage. They, they struggled to beat the Wizards. I wouldn't say they struggled. They beat them in six. They, they, they were an and eight They kicked seed. their teeth in in that last game. Yeah, they were an eight seed, but the East was deep last year from a standpoint of... Hey, look who, like the middle of the pack in the East was a lot of different teams. Like there was no, there was a lot of parity between the Wizards and the Bucks and the Heat. Like there was no true eight seed in my eyes. Like they, they weren't, they weren't that awful of a basketball team. We're they get, still came in with the two best stars. We're, we're getting off topic. We are, but, but I, I'm just I, saying. I think the Raptors are much better. I think they could beat the Celtics, but I think the Celtics still should be considered the favorite. So I'm going to consider the Raptors the favorite and here's why. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the Eastern Conference right now. When's the last time you saw him dribble a basketball? Last year. And he looked for, okay. For nine games. Yep, nine games. And I enjoyed them thoroughly. And I was actually furious because I had Kawhi Leonard on my fantasy team. 
and I paid a whole ton for him in the auction and he played nine games. And just when he teased me and was like, I'm back, man. I was like, thank God you've been sitting on my bench for forever. I need you to get in here. Boom. Right back on the IR. Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the Eastern conference now. And well, assuming he's healthy. Yeah. But we already promised that we were going to say that. No, he's, if if he's healthy, we're taking that caveat out. He's the best player in the East. And as we've learned over and over again, if you have the best player, it gives you a real advantage in this league. It really does. And I think Giannis can be close. I think maybe he does even take the reins as the best player. But as of right now, on paper, Kawhi Leonard is the best player. And if you're going matchup for matchup, I think that if you get a good season out of Kyle Lowry, if you get this continued version of Kyle Lowry, a one-two punch of Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard is better than a one-two punch of Jason Tatum and Kyrie Irving. Like when it comes down to it, when you need a bucket at the end of the game, I like those two guys better than any of the guys the Celtics have in a, in a one-two one, or a one-v-one matchup. I just you have to remember that both Philly and Boston have so many young guys that yeah. I don't buy uh, Philly at all. I think they screwed up their offseason badly. Well, I mean, yeah, the Burnergate did not help, and they lost a lot of three. They tried shooting. to get Daryl Morey, they struck out. They tried to get LeBron James, they struck yeah, out. They, they didn't get have, Kawhi Leonard. They still have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I mean, we know they have Joel Embiid as of right now. You're right. But the risk, like the risk of him staying healthy is like, that's a real question mark. And so Ben this, Simmons. So they, but that you, we're assuming Kawhi's healthy. So why aren't we assuming Embiid's healthy? Because I think Embiid has more of an injury track record than Kawhi Leonard does. Well, who played more games recently? Yeah. Okay. I, I think I, I would trust Kawhi Leonard's health more than Joel Embiid's. I really would. Joel Embiid, like that was the first year he, he played a full docket. Yeah. But like the last injury he had was like to his face. He's had, I can't believe I'm the pro Raptors guy. This is a weird little twist. Anyway, I I think that the very least at the very, very, very least, the Raptors are number two in the conference right now, moving forward. And I think that they were probably that without this deal, but that the ceiling is a little bit higher now. So, so what concerns you about this deal? If anything is, do you have any type of, did you look at this and think, this is, this is a little spooky to me. There's only one concern. And that is that Kawhi pulls an Alonzo morning and he never once steps foot in Canada. Because now you you have no leverage, zero. You have no leverage, and that, I think and, he'd cost himself a lot of money. Doing oh, really? That. Because we haven't seen him. I don't know. I know. Not show up for his team. I'm just not saying, sit I think on the it, bench for a playoff series. But we're work out about on the other tens side of, of the country. Of dollars, if he does that, I don't know if he. I don't. Why? I don't know if he. But will. dude, look at how his value is already. So if I'm him, if I'm Uncle Dennis, you, th- you think the Lakers are gonna are gonna not pay Kawhi Leonard because he didn't want to play in Canada? I think that once you start he, to build those like if bad he hits apple the seeds, open, if he hits the open market, you think Magic Johnson's be like, son, I'm disappointed in you. You had a contract. I think it might change what they're willing to pay Magic him. Johnson, the guy who's, who's openly tampering on late night TV shows. You think he <laughs> cares? He, he's probably like, Kawhi, stay at Club Med, doggy. Rest up. You don't think that there's anything that would no. hamper his value? Let's turn it around. If you were a Laker fan, would you care? If I was a Laker fan, I would care, and I would care no, if I... You no, wouldn't. here's why I would. Here's why I would. I think that if Kawhi Leonard, and I thought about this a lot, I was listening to Tom Haberstroh's podcast, the Count the Dings podcast, where he and Michael C. Wright, who covers the Spurs for ESPN, really broke down the Kawhi Leonard situation. And they said that he had a real problem dealing with the media and that he did not like the way that the Spurs, he felt that the Spurs didn't protect him enough during his injury. He's he felt right. like his, and he felt like his teammates called him out. He's and I right. think that if you're going to play with LeBron James, one thing we've learned is 
It's going to take a lot of media focus. You're going to be the center of attention for a while. If things go south, LeBron is going to start subtweeting you, and you're going to have to answer those questions. There's going to be a mob of media. You're going to be front page of ESPN every day. And I think that things can go south pretty quickly when you're dealing with big personalities like that. If you're playing with LeBron James, nobody cares what you think about anything. Nobody's going to talk to Kawhi. Everyone's going to talk to LeBron. And so if, if... if he's getting beat back door, LeBron might be subtweeting him the way he did Kevin Love. Yeah. But if he's playing at a high level, LeBron, LeBron didn't subtweet Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade or even Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So I, it, the, nope. mo, the the main subtweets for LeBron were about David Blatt and about ownership getting them a backup and point Kevin guard. Love. Well, and Kevin Love. Fit in if to, some people trying to fit in or to fit out. But I don't, think, I don't think I don't think LeBron when Kawhi Leonard is doing LeBron's dirty work and allowing him to rest off the ball while Kawhi Leonard is guarding Paul George and Kevin Durant. Hey. I don't think LeBron's going to be subtweeting him at all. He's going to say, thanks, dog. But, I got some beats by Dre headphones <laughs> for you in the locker room. By the way, that's one of the most exciting things about this trade for me is thinking about the Raptors' defensive units that they can throw out there with Kawhi. Thinking about a unit where they just say, all right, we're going to go with... We need to stop. Yeah. Hey, okay. Kyle. Kawhi Leonard and OG, the things... That's another part of it too, right? Is what's one year of Kawhi Leonard taking OG Ananobi under his wing worth? A lot, probably. Assuming he gets off the plane. Sure. <laughs> that's a lot. You know what? That's the, that's the thing I don't like about this podcast. There's still all these like, uh, yeah, assuming Kawhi wants to be here, assuming Kawhi's healthy, assuming yeah. he talks to his teammates. I mean, according to Chris Haynes, like he's not coming. So yeah. we may be doing another emergency pod. Yeah. You know what is, you know, what's funny though is, Chris Haynes was the first guy to throw out the. Remember that report he had where yeah. he was like in passing on a podcast. He's he was like, on don't Tim count. And Sid the next he's day. like, don't count out uh, the Raptors. And everyone was like, Chris Haynes, Chris Haynes. And then he came on all these shows. He came on Good Show. He went on Tim and Sid, and he was like, Yeah, I was just talking. <laughs> like it's like you should have just owned it. You had it. You had it right there. And then yeah, Windhorse came on Good Show and and said that the Raptors would like, was something to monitor. And all of a sudden, it kept r- rolling into this thing. Which again, I, I cannot believe it happened and I cannot believe it didn't happen without OG Ananobi or or Pascal Siakam who now these two guys these two really stretchy guys who can defend out to the perimeter although I, I do think Siakam got a little exposed in the postseason last year in terms of his defensive upside against the Cavaliers uh he he probably needs to 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 do a little bit more bulking up or strength and conditioning you mean to, to face base. against LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, not just LeBron guy against who Kevin he's Love. No longer going to need to guard. Yeah, no. Hey, but listen, those two. He struggled against Kevin Love and against LeBron James. Both of those guys, he did not do very well against. And he was someone that the Raptors kind of relied on as their number one defensive ace that past season. And I, I think he's still awesome. I really do. And I I love the defensive upside. I'm just saying a little bit more strength. He needs a little bit more strength to guard guys down in the post. I thought he got bullied a little bit down there. But uh, the uh, idea that you can roll out OG, Pascal, DeLon Wright, t- Kawhi Leonard, like that's a lot of limbs. Even Serge Ibaka, it's a lot. So wh- what's your starting lineup? Well, I mean, I think... What's your closing lineup? Well, I think the, the you mentioned the defense, and I think the fact that Nick Nurse can say, okay, I need one stop. All right, Kyle, get out there. Casey must be pissed, eh, watching this? So upset. He's LeBron so LeBron leaves, he gets Kawhi. And, and he's like, player. wait, what? I got all these defensive dudes? <laughs> this is my dream team. Now I got to try and get Blake Griffin to play defense. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah, you, good luck with that. Kyle playing the point. You've got OG and Kawhi on, on either wing. You have Pascal at the four, and then Serge 
you know, playing the five. It's, it's, you need a stop that's great. And then on the flip side, you need a bucket. Okay, maybe I, I'm playing small and I'm playing Kyle and Fred together. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing CJ out there or, or, or Green out there, whoever's got it going from three. I have Kawhi. And then I could play small with Pascal or I can play big with, with JV. I, there's so many options. I mean, I think obviously JV and, and Serge are going to start, although some would make a case that maybe this opens up the opportunity to slide JV in that second unit where he, I've been clamoring for JV in the second unit my entire career. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. But I think obviously assuming JV and Serge still starting, obviously Kyle is still your starting point guard. And obviously Kawhi is, is either at the three or the two. I think the real, other, what about the four? Well, I think that's, I think that's Serge, but I'm saying like, what if you start Pascal? What if you start Kawhi at the four? No, I was going to say, what if you go with something like, or maybe he's at three, but what if you start a lineup that goes Serge, Pascal, Kawhi as your front court? Because okay. that interests me well, a right. lot. So that's what I said, JV in the second unit, yeah. which people would be interested in. And he gets more offensive touches in that second unit. He's basically your your new Pirtle. Then the question is, who's at the two? Is it That is, is it, a good question. It, oh, well, I mean, I think some people assume it'll be Danny Green. He's, I don't think so. I don't think Danny Green. I he, think he started for the Spurs, and yeah. the Spurs were pretty good. I think that Danny Green is starting the season coming off the bench. Maybe I'm wrong, but, but I think that there's two guys ahead of him right now, and I'm curious. I I kind of liked Fred last year. Is that I think Fred could close. I think that we could see lineups like I think Nurse is still going to be fluid with the lineups for a long time out of the gate to try to see what works right to see what units fit together and it's not going to be as rigid as it was last year with the whole uh, the wholesale hockey changes. Right. Mm -hmm. I still think they're going to try to shelter Kyle Lowry's minutes because they need him healthy for the postseason. So you're going to see a lot of the lawn, right. And and Fred Van Vliet taking heavy minutes in the backcourt and, and moving Kyle to, to the bench. But I wonder if there is a closing, I think the closing lineup is going to involve Fred at the point and Kyle at the two. Well, uh, uh, often it did last year, but the the issue with your starting lineup and not having Green start is because there isn't a great fit with him with the bench mob. And if you are trying to keep the bench mob, intact, but isn't bench mob dead? I I don't think why one guy's gone. Why one guy's dead? gone, but you also have a need now. And so so one guy's gone, but I think that you're seeing more of a shuffling than before. Like I don't think that they're going to come in. I like I said, I think that Pascal could start. Why would you kill your best lineup? I think that Pascal can start and I want to see uh, like, I think I want to make my best lineup, my starters. I think that we're done with that mistake of trying to make two equal lineups. And instead what, let's make one super lineup that, that can go toe to toe and gets a lot of reps. But you know what automatically makes your starters much better? Mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard. Your, st- your starters are already vastly improved, but I don't want to see any more of this whole, like trying out Serge Ibaka at the four thing. Uh, I think Serge just becomes a five that those are your two centers is Ibaka and JV. And sometimes you go big Sometimes you try that, but that that's done. That you're trying Abaka, Pascal Siakam, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry essentially is your two, and Fred Van Vliet is your point guard, and that's kind of your closing line. So now you have no four coming off the bench. Who's who's that? If you had a bench mob, you want to blow it up apparently, but which sucks you're for going the small off your bench. So, who, but okay, sure. Who is your second big? You can. You're just playing JV and four guards. Off no. the bench? You can play, like I said, I think you're going to see some le- lineups where Kawhi Leonard plays the four. I think but he's you, not, but he's not in your, he's not in your bench lineup. 
But but what I'm saying, you don't need to have the same type of bench lineup before. Like you can go smaller. You can move a guy like DeLon Wright up your lineup a little bit and say, you know what, you're playing small forward now. You can play, you can do the CJ Miles at power forward thing. You can you can you can try a whole bunch of different stuff to create a shooting did you, lineup. Did you see CJ Miles at power forward in the playoffs? Listen, CJ Miles isn't going to have the same defensive responsibilities. You can try OG Ananobi at the four. Like, why can't OG play some four? Like, what's wrong with that? He's your backup four in that scenario. I in that scenario where he doesn't start, he's your backup four. I think the bench mob stays the same. I think the only difference is you. So does OG start at the four then? For who? For the Raptors. Does no. he start at the four? No, he doesn't. So where is he in your starting lineup? He'll. He. I think he's the, not a two. What's what's so then you need ball Ka- handling? Then Kawhi's a two. What's a two? Yeah, they're they got they're playing on the wing alongside a point guard. Yeah, Kawhi is a creator. I I think the I think the only difference in the bench is that Bebe slides in where Pirtle was. What they're resigning Bebe now? They need they, they have to fill out the roster. They're, the back of the end of the roster is not just going to be Malachi Richardson and Brown. <laughs> I think there's a case definitely to resign to to bring back Bebe on a minimum deal is to just to have that depth big, but I don't think that you need to rush it because I don't exactly think that people are trying to get Mister. He tries to get weirder looking every offseason. You see now he has the like golden beard. I did not see. that. Yeah, he's no. dyed. He dyed his beard. It looks bad. Uh, not un, not unsurprising. What my biggest question mark is kind of what do you do with Norm Powell? Is there any potential you try to go back to Norm and say you're starting? No. And you go Kyle Lowry, Norm Powell, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, Serge Ibaka. No. Because, I mean, why wouldn't I start Danny Green or CJ Miles? Danny Green shot 36% from three last year. Like, he was not, and he, and he wasn't the defensive player that he used to be. Like, he's, he's fallen off a little bit. Like Norm Powell would love to shoot 36% from three. I think he'd like to shoot a little higher next year. You so, are you, because... Here's the case. If you're starting Danny Green, that means that Norm Powell is what to your team? Because I think DeLon Wright is your backup two as of right now. And your backup three would still be C.J. Miles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so Norm is still issue. out of the rotation. Well, what, what is, what is, so Danny Green is ahead is, of Norm Powell. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay, we'll see. I want to see Norm. And I actually think there's a case to come out and like training camp, you got to do something. He's got to be knocking down shots. But I think there is a case for that. Like you try to get Norm Powell going with a similar way that you did last year, which is just high risk, high reward where you say, listen, Norm, you're a starter and DeMar's gone. You just got to, you're playing defense. It's, it's you, Kyle Lowry, OG and Anobi, Pascal, or sorry, Serge Ibaka and Kawhi Leonard as your starting unit. And that's a good defensive unit. And you don't really have a drop off with the second one. Uh, you not, you've moved two players out. You brought two players in. I don't see how the two players who you acquired, who are better than the two players you let go, changes the equation dramatically for Norm Powell, who was your 11th player Yeah, on your depth chart. I don't so think I, you want Nor- the $10 million man being your 11th player, though. You got to at least try to get something out of him. I, no question. If he, if he has a great uh, preseason, then this can change. And if, you know, injuries happen and he steps into a role and owns it, it can change. But... Who are you? The point is, who are you taking away minutes from to give them to Norm Powell? Not OG Ananobi, not Kawhi Leonard. Oh, can't not, wait to see OG and Kawhi play not, together. In, in, a, in a Nick Nurse universe, not CJ Miles. 
Okay. But the amount of threes you want to get up. So here's the next question. So then. so so maybe Danny Green, but Danny Green started for the Spurs, and Norm Powell wasn't in the rotation for the Raptors. Lots and of guys have started for the Spurs. Sure, I'll 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 take them. Spurs win. Do you think that the Raptors have another move then to make? I because think, there's a lot of guys. I think I think I don't think I don't think the Masai jury is just putting the ringer on silent and going to GOA events and getting his philanthropic on. I think he's still taking calls. I still he's I still think he's making calls. I think he's basking in this for today. I think he can't believe his luck. I, I think he cannot believe it. When R.C. Buford called him today and said, yeah, all right, we accept. <laughs> he must have done a cartwheel down the hallway. I mean, it's funny because a lot of people think that the trade is crazy. So it's it's funny that the people have the flip side perspective. But I, I, I still think you are calling around saying, hey, Minnesota, you're really going to run it back with those three guys? Let's talk. Let's talk. What are you going to do? Wiggins or Jimmy? Which one are you giving up? I don't want Wiggins. Is, 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 Wiggins. They'll is, be like, is, yeah, uh, we'll deliver is, Wiggins. We'll drive is, him to the airport. Is is Cat for sale? Yeah, I don't think so. You know what, though? That would be... The, the interesting one would be trying to still take advantage of a market where you were like, what's it going to take for us to get Jimmy Butler? What's it going to take? <laughs> now we're talking crazy, but like, if you're already trying to build a super steam for one year. Well, no, well, but people thought Kawhi, Kawhi coming to the Raptors was crazy. So. I did. I, again, I was on record multiple times on the radio saying 0% chance. Hey, Masai's just like, give me your disgruntled stars. Yeah. I will rehab me. them in Canada. <laughs> I love it. So... Maybe a move to make, but that's but that's that's their only pathway. Yeah, because they're again can't do it via trade, other other than someone who's who's trying to, you know, ha- get do a make good in a bad situation, can't do it via the draft, and had no no cap space to do it via free. You know what was so huge for this Raptors offseason was the Suns deciding to give Trevor Reza fifteen million dollars instead of giving Fred VanVleet money, because they decided to trade for that point guard, that rookie point guard. And they're like, here, you you take the reins here. Well, I mean, the Suns have a history like, of just what are you doing? collecting point guards with no real But get the plan. one that can actually play. Like, had the Suns added Fred Van Vliet for big-time money and just said, hey, we have Fred Van Vliet now, and we got Fred and Booker and Aiton and all, the, all these young guys, I'm, I'm way more excited than had they added Trevor Reza. Like, that made no sense to me why they didn't go out and get Fred. But do they... What, they they had need a, a point guard. But they had a... Of Fred type in Euless. I, I, I don't know. Fred type. Fred is way better than Euless. Euless can't do anything that Fred can do. Fred's proven. Fred's the commodity. How am I? Again, this is a bizarro podcast. How, somehow I've turned into everything that you used to be. No, signing Fred Van Vliet does not change the landscape of the Phoenix Suns. I'm so I, I'm so excited to see what Nick, Nick Nurse what he's going to do with this team and how, because again, we know he's a guy that offensively wants more shooting well, and, and Kawhi does bring that. Here's the, so other, does green. Here's the other slept on thing before you finish. Yep. This takes pressure off Nick nurse because if you run it you back so? with a hundred percent, you run it back with the exact same team. Then it's, it's qualitative. Hmm. Casey had this roster. Nick nurse had this roster. Nick nurse. You're not on pace for 59 wins, Nick Nurse. But don't you You're think not that first in the he has East, more pressure to win more games now? No. I think the the pressure is now on Masai Jury. Because he made Ooh, this move. See, I think the pressure is off him. He changed the equation. 
I, I, I well, I well, go the opposite. Whose whose name is in in the mentions right now? Yeah, it's not Nick Nurse. I know, but that's why I would go the opposite. Is I think that Masai is taking the heat off because ultimately, have you have you read Twitter? Listen, I don't I don't look at what the what the fans say. No, I love listen. Well, I love the fans. Heat. I love the associates. The and again, fans show some goddamn love in the mentions and comments and subscriptions. I want to see some retweets on this podcast. I want to see some five-star reviews on the iTunes page. And I absolutely need to see you subscribing to this thing. Like that is very, very crucial. Very, very crucial. But other than that, I like, I care what the fans think. And I, and I, I check out Twitter for some stuff. I see things that get read retweeted. I, I read my own mentions in terms of what people want to talk to me about. But if your assessment of this is that Masai Ujiri made some gre- uh, like egregious error, then like I, I don't like I, I don't see the the avenue for that logic. I can see why you're upset about losing Demar Derozan. I can understand how it's it's complicated emotionally and that there's some nuance to this thing. But ultimately, like again, to to acquire a top five player in the league, potentially a top two player in the league, for one extra year of DeMar DeRozan and another year of $2 million, Jacob Pertle, a, a center that couldn't stay on the floor in a playoff matchup last year. Uh, like I'm, I'm not seeing the, I'm not seeing the connection people. Like I'm just not, I think this takes the pressure off Masai from a logical standpoint that people will look at this and say, Masai made a good move. What can Nick nurse do with it? And now Nick nurse has to find a way to accommodate to a superstar because clearly Kawhi Leonard, the only way they're going to sell him on staying here is if this is all his team and everyone's playing ball and Kawhi Leonard is the head of the snake and bow down to Kawhi. So an offense that encourages him more than any other player that he can get along with Kyle Lowry. Like there are some, and that he can figure out the right rotations for this thing and actually pick out the right five guys to close games. Because as we've seen in the past, it's not, it's not that easy when you have 10 guys and a lot of them very close in skill set of, of picking those dudes out. And it's going to be really interesting how some of those guys feel when they're shuffled out of the mix. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Nick nurse here. Like I really do. I think there's a lot, a lot of pressure on him, not only from the fan base from within his own organization and with, for his future in the league. Like this is going to be a very, very big year for him. I would say out of everyone that has pressure, he's number one. I think it's on Masai. I think Masai made his move. Anything else we didn't hit on today? No, this has been pretty good. I'm so covered in bug bites from my vacation. Like I played bocce ball in the woods without bug dope. And I'm just scratching. I'm like worried that maybe I have something worse than, than just mosquito bites. Cause I'm just scratching like crazy. How long does it take them for mosquito bites to go away? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody tell not, me. Not something. I Somebody tell with. me again. Thank you to all the associates. Uh, we, we love you guys. You're the best. We're going to be back again. It's going to be a little infrequent here. We'll probably try to get back in here and do a, a rest of the off season outlook and, and do a little bit more of the, of the lineup data and, and, and what we're, we're looking at here in terms of, of what we like and season projections with some other people. So we'll get back in here soon, but again, hit up that iTunes page, get at us on social media. You can retweet it on Twitter, the, the podcast, you can let us know your questions and we'll try to answer them. I want to, again, I want to try to compile, I've said it over and over again, but I want to try to compile a, a Twitter mailbag or an iTunes mailbag for this off season that Donovan and I'll go on. Cause I saw a lot of you guys had questions from today and I uh, I hope we answered some of them and, and we'll definitely get to some more of them soon thanks again this is free association on sportsnet.ca